Welcome, Lakers and Dodgers fans, to episode 30 of the City of Champions podcast. It seems, again, that the Dodgers have turned a corner and killed the Pirates, killed the Mets. But for some reason, we can't seem to get over the hump and catch the Giants. It seems like every time we get within one and a half games, one game, we drop and they win. And if you were paying attention to those games over the weekend, you'd know that in both the games on Saturday and Sunday, the Giants came from behind to win, and the Dodgers, well, we lost. We had a really uh, poor game on Sunday. But Gene, give me your overall uh, you know, thoughts, starting with the Pirates series. What you thought about that sweep, and then we'll jump into the Mets series and how we took three out of four from them. Yeah, man. Um, the the Pirates series was, was cool. Um, we swept them like we should have. You know, they're probably one of the, if not the worst team in baseball. Um, and uh, what really stuck out to me in that series is uh, two unsung heroes. We had the uh, Andre Jackson debut, and he was solid, uh, was flashing a wicked changeup. Um, and so it was cool to see him do his thing. I believe he pitched like four innings. Uh, and then we also, you know, the the legend of Mitch White. Uh, he balled out. Uh, you know, through, uh, you know, seven plus innings in what was supposed to be a bullpen game. And he really saved the Dodgers bullpen because the day after that was a true, true bullpen game. And so those are the, the, the two things that stuck out to me uh, in that series. And also we got a Gavin Lux with a, with a start at third base, which, uh, is clearly not his position. Uh, what stuck out to you in that series, bro? That series, Mitchell White, man. Mitch White, who got optioned the very next day. It must suck to, you know, pitch a gem and then uh, get sent back down. But I'm sure he understands the situation. But, yeah, huge, huge just lift for the uh, the bullpen and for the pitching staff in general, you know, because, like you said, it was a bullpen game. And those games usually tend to set us back in the sense that we, you know, blow out our uh, bullpen arms and then we're really lackluster in the uh, games after and – it wasn't the case. For the first time this season, it wasn't the case. We actually um, came back and uh, went into the next series and just kept winning. I think to add to that, bro, is like Mitch White is the unsung hero because of the fact like so he picked up those seven innings, right? The next game was a bullpen game. And then after that, we really relied on the bullpen in key moments and Walker Bueller's and uh, Max Scherzer starts and the bullpen held it down. So, um, you know, that's just... Instead of having like a poor ripple effect from overusing the bullpen, you know, he was actually help, allowed, able to save them so that they could do their thing in those tight games. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, one guy I want to hit on and we'll touch on uh, when we discuss the Mets series is uh, Vessia because that guy came up big. But, you know, let's let's talk about the Mets series, right? Uh, we crushed them, I think. Uh, outside of the uh, game on Sunday, which, again, we played horribly, especially that first inning. We just – our defense isn't uh, – Looking great in the infield, to be honest. Um, that was really the only thing that stood out for me as far as negatives in that series. It cost us a game, unfortunately. But outside of that, Bueller, Scherzer, Scherzer's, you know, last strikeout, he came up strong for us. Uh, what were your uh, overall thoughts and reactions on, uh, on the Mets series? Well, first is the bullpen game, bro. And you and I, we hate bullpen games, but I feel like it, we're at the point where like, Maybe we should welcome bullpen games because the bullpen actually pitches really well in those games and they really hold it down. And so shout out to the bullpen for doing their thing. 
And then um, Walker Bueller, bro. Walker Bueller doing what Walker Bueller does, dog. Just shut shit down. And really, he should have been able to get out of that uh, that inning, you know, if it wasn't for the umpires and the poor calls they made. I know he ended up getting ejected because he was arguing with the umpires. But um, just Walker Bueller, man. Just That's the Cy Young right there. And uh, it was also great to see our old friend Rich Hill, man. Gotta love Rich Hill. Yeah, man. Dick Mountain, who... Uh yeah, I mean, if he wants to come back to Dodger Stadium, I wouldn't uh, mind having him as, you know, an extra arm that we can uh, rely on. I, I used to not be a big fan, but I am a big fan now because I understand his process a, a little bit better. And I understand how he got from, how he revived his career. So, you know, good to see him uh, just playing well. Um, so, so, hey, let's highlight two bullpen arms real quick. So you wanted to talk about Vessia, man. What did, what did you see in Vessia? What has you hyped on Vessia? Now I want to talk about someone else, man. Why don't you start, show some love to Vessia. So Vessia, man, and I tweeted this out the other day. Vessia brings the kind of energy that we used to rely on Yasu, you know, Yasiel Puig for. He was the kind of guy that would just get you hyped in high leverage, tense situations. So obviously, Puig did it with his bat. Uh, a lot of times did it with his running. Um, sometimes did it with his arm. Vesia, he does it with his uh, with his uh, relief pitching. And he, he gets hyped yeah. and he gets the crowd hyped. And man, I got so hyped when he was out there uh, this weekend. Uh, yeah. That, again, was, that with, was big time. Yeah, right. And with uh, all the struggling arm, arms that we have right now, he's just coming up big. And well, uh, well yeah, so so. Big, so people were like down on the Vesia uh, trade when they traded Dylan Floro for Vesia because when Vesia was first up, you know, you and I were down on Vesia because he was really struggling, but um, he's really turned it around. He's really found his groove and he's locked up, bro. So we're going to have him for quite a while. You know, hopefully he can just continue to develop and get better. Uh, but so you said like how he gets the crowd all hyped up and I was hyped, bro, after he got that out. But then he, he he's come walk. I don't know if you saw, bro, he's walking off the field and he's all hella hyped. And then they do like the little like foreign substance check on his hat and his glove. And I was like, yo, that's such a buzzkill to be all hyped up. Like, let's go. You're walking off the mountain and the umpire's like, oh, let me see your hat and your, your glove. Like what a buzzkill umpires do better. Stop killing <laughs> the momentum. Yeah. By the way, don't, uh, let's make sure you're not cheating. Yeah, uh, so I want to shout out, bro, Kenley Jansen. Uh, Kenley Jansen coming up big, picking up those saves in games two and three. Um, so I tweeted out when he was going out for uh, game two, and I tweeted out, uh, you know, this is in the bag, no doubt. You know, Kenley Jansen on, on short rest, or Kenley Jansen on rest is elite. And he went in there, bro, shut it down. Like, boom, boom, one, two, three inning, no question about it. Ended up with a nasty strikeout. Then he came out for game three, and I think my tweet was something along like, oh, Kenley Jansen on back-to-backs, this is going to be stressful. And everyone, you tweeted about it also, everyone was stressing about Kenley, you know, coming out to, to pick up the save in, uh, in, in back-to-back games. But he got it done, man. So we got to show the big guy some love, man. I just don't want him to be up and down. I don't want it to be a roller coaster of a ride, especially going into the playoffs. You know, I saw a video of uh, Dodgers fans harassing him. Come on, if you call yourself a Dodger fan, it's it's all right if, you know, you have your opinions about Kenley, but to do that, to harass the guy, that's unacceptable, man. That's unacceptable. Keep it 90%. on the field. It's good for, yeah. you know, barbershop talk, not to yell at the guy right before he goes in, into yeah. the game. Yeah, just so, bring your frustration to the podcast, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, bring v- your frustration. Vent it out. Vent it out on Twitter, vent it out on the podcast. But if you have those seats right there by the Dodgers bullpen, you need to just be shouting positives and encouragement as the guys get out there ready to pitch, man. They don't need that negative energy. They don't. And neither do fans, neither does the team. And so if you're one of those guys, 
Go home. We don't want you. We don't want you as a Dodger fan. Take that jersey off. You don't belong. Facts. But anyway, on to the, uh, the main talking point right now. The 2021 Most Valuable Player, Max Muncy. Mm. Undoubtedly the most valuable player this year. Yeah. Now, you brought up a good point. While Muncy may be having a good year, while he may be proving valuable to our efforts late on in the uh, the season, Tatis is still the favorite. Yeah, man. He is MLB's poster boy. So give me your yep. thoughts on that entire situation. How do you think it's going to play out? So, bro, it's, it's exactly what you said. And, and I responded to a tweet that you, that you put out about it. And I just said, it's the media, man. Like, the media in, in baseball really, you know, rides hard for Tatis. He's constantly being, you know, uh, promoted on MLB.com or, you know, just whatever. Like, the Padres get a lot of love. You know, he gets a lot of love for every little thing he does. And he's a great player, man. Don't get me wrong. He has his huge flaws. He's a huge defensive negative um, or a negative on defense. Uh, but I feel that, you know, and, and so if I was arguing on the side, the side of Tatis, I'd say, well, he's been hurt and he still is producing at the level of Max Muncy, right? Or close to his level. I'd argue that. And even with his negative defense, they're still like valued about the same, right? Um, but I, I, I feel like it's all media, man. It's all hype train. It's all media. You know, they, they, they were voting him for MVP before the season started. Any little thing he does, it's like, you know, the greatest thing ever. And, and, and that's what it is. And it's just, it's frustrating because I feel like Max Muncy is not really getting love. You know, I feel like I hear more about, you know, uh, Buster Posey, you know, uh, uh, for MVP or, you know, Joe, I feel like Joey Votto's name gets, gets tossed around, you know, Bryce Harper, you know, and all these dudes. And Max Muncy's argument is just as, just as legitimate. And, you know, on the fact that he's on the second best, uh, team in baseball and Tatis's team is, you know, trending downward, probably won't even make the playoffs. So, you know, I mean, I think Max Muncy, you know, I don't know if 100% he is the MVP. You know, we got to look at the data and all that and haven't dug in deep enough into it. But he should for sure be in like the top three, um, if not top one. Bro, he should be the MVP. And if you look at it again, everyone wants to go by a war, right? Everyone wants to call that the uh, sort of the uh, the MVP uh, metric. statistic. Metric. Who's number one in the NL? Max Muncy with a 5.5. He passed up Fernando Tatis over the weekend. Now, let me highlight a couple things. Tatis, one of his nicknames is Tatis 6. <laughs> Why? Because he leads the league in errors. This guy is awful on defense. He cannot throw from shortstop to first base, which is how the majority of his errors come about. He is a one-sided player. He is not the most valuable player. He has cost the Padres games with his defense. He's got a negative 0.4 defensive war. Yeah, his hitting is phenomenal. Probably one of the best hitters in the game today. But most valuable isn't just on one side of the plate or one side of the field. It's who's the most valuable overall. And Max Muncy has been that guy because his bat has come up big in big situations. And so is his defense. We talk about how dynamic he is. He can play first. He can play second base. He's quick on the bases. And like you said, Padres might not make the playoffs. In fact, they've got the toughest schedule in baseball for the rest of the year. And they're 
biggest competitors for that second playoff spot, second wild card spot, are the Reds, who have the easiest schedule in baseball. So, just doing the math, it seems like the Reds are going to clinch the playoffs and the Padres are going to be the odd men out. For that reason alone, for the reason that the Padres are struggling to even make it to that second spot in the wild card, especially after coming into the season, being touted as one of the favorites to come out of the NL even above the Dodgers. The fact that they're struggling shows you that Tatis is not the most valuable player. So, Max Muncy for MVP. But, you know, let's let's do uh, some quick hitters real quick, some uh, quick talking points from the Dodgers that you know we want to yeah. hit on before we uh, move over to the Lakers. Yeah, bro. So, let's start off with uh, Cole Hambles. Uh, throws, I think, one inning simulated game, then goes out. He had a two inning simulated game schedule. Throws one inning, then he shut him down. He's done for the season. Thoughts on that? Dodgers legend. <laughs> Dodgers legend Cole Hamels, bro. He's going to get a ring if we win a World Series, which is hilarious. Wow. That is, that is hilarious. And that was the easiest $1 million probably anyone's ever made. Actually, no, probably like Luau Dang. He's making millions and millions of dollars off the Lakers for doing nothing. All right. Uh, Shane Green. Uh, the Dodgers signed, uh, Shane Green. Uh, I believe the Braves waved him. Dodgers picked him up. What do you, how do you feeling about Shane Green joining the bullpen? You know, I've always been a fan of Shane Green. Um, even going back to his, uh, his Detroit years, he's not by any means a terrible, uh, pitcher. I'm glad the Dodgers got him. I think we're one of the best teams at helping guys reemerge from what they used to be. You know, we saw that with, Obviously, Chris Taylor, Max Muncy, Justin Turner is a big one. So I'm hoping Shane Green is one of those arms. And if not, he can give us innings, right? He's uh, he's a veteran pitcher. He's uh, 32 years old, um, and he he can only help, right? So I, I hope that I hope he uh, he comes through. Yeah, my thoughts on Shane Green's bro is uh, Shane Green is a uh, he was great last year, and his ERA jumped up to like eight this year. So really struggling. So I'm going to wait and see. Like you said, the Dodgers are really good with, um, you know, bringing out the best in pitchers after they struggled, kind of reinventing them or, you know, helping them find their groove. You know, so we'll see. We'll see what the Dodgers can do with him. And uh, to finish up with our quick hitters, uh, Julio Urias should be coming back tomorrow to start against the Padres. Uh, Mookie Betts, I'm hearing Thursday possibly for Mookie Betts against the Padres. So uh, getting some reinforcements. How are you feeling going into the Padres series with uh, getting some of our best players back? Imagine, right? We're getting, uh, we're, we just, uh, came off a winning streak. Uh, we're, you know, hitting on all cylinders and now we're getting Mookie Betts back, who before this, uh, you know, second sin on the IL was looking pretty damn good. Now, one can only hope that, uh, he comes back and he comes back strong. You know, I'd love to see him in the third spot. Um, mm. you know, right? Because Trey Turner makes the most sense at, at number one. Yeah. Just because we do not want Mookie Betts, you know, running too hard or going all out as yeah. the leadoff hitter would, right? So yeah. why not put him in the three spot? Why not put him in the fourth spot? You know, he so, could work in the second spot. He, I mean, so he could work quick, anywhere. Let me put you on the spot. Quick hitter on the spot right here. Off the top of the dome, ideal Dodgers starting lineup. Got to win a game, game seven. Everyone's healthy, good to go. Go. Batting order. Ooh, man, this is good. Um, all right, so probably Trey Turner leading off. Max Muncy second. We've got Mookie Betts in the third third spot. We got Justin Turner in the fourth. We've got Will Smith in the fifth. We've got Cody Ballinger, who's, you know, had a resurgence in the sixth spot only because, again, he's starting to hit. Otherwise, I'd probably either have him on the bench or I'd, you know, have him in the uh, eighth hole. 
Um, after that, I'd probably stick Pollock. Where are you putting Seager, bro? Are you forgetting about Corey Seager? I am forgetting about Corey Seager. But honestly, <laughs> no, no. I, I would put, uh, you know, Corey Seager maybe. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll slot him in the fifth spot. I'll move um, uh, I'll move um, Bellinger to the uh, the sixth spot. So, so you had so you had Smith fifth and then Bellinger sixth. So you would go. So you'd go if you're going to slot Seager fifth. You would go Trey Turner, Max Muncy, Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, Corey Seager at fifth, Will Smith at sixth, and you have Bellinger seventh. There we go. And then are you playing? Are you playing Pollock or are you playing Taylor in left field? So assuming that this, you said World Series Game 7, right? So we're going to have the DH. Um, I'd probably want Pollock in the DH spot because uh, I trust Chris Taylor's defense a lot more. Um, probably have uh, Pollock batting ninth and uh, Taylor batting eighth, which is crazy, right? Because Bro, look at that fucking lineup. He's been so that, good. That is I, a it's stacked hard. lineup. That's a stacked lineup, bro. No lineup can compete with ours. That's ridiculous. That's, you got Corey Seager, World Series MVP, you know, NLCS MVP batting fifth. You know, you got the best uh, the best hitting catcher in baseball and Will Smith sixth. You know, really, honestly, Bellinger would probably hit ninth, bro. To be to keep it real, like, he's probably the worst hitter right now, like, you know, on our team. But he still, you know, can go off at any point. So that's a deep lineup, man. So how about uh, you, about man? What, what, what's your lineup? What's your ideal lineup? How, how would you rearrange? Oh, I, that? I mean, n- not not very different from yours, man. I'd go, I'd go real quick. I'd go Trey Turner, Max Muncy, Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, Corey Seager. Um, I'd go Will Smith into sixth hole. I'd go probably um, Chris Taylor, AJ Pollock eighth, and then Cody Bellinger hitting ninth. Uh, put him at the bottom of the lineup. Um, but then like, imagine like the speed, bro, like the speed you'd get, like if Bellinger gets on what Trey Turner hitting behind, you know, hitting next, um, that's just, man, we just have, that's just a explosive, uh, lineup, uh, speed, you know, almost in, in every position minus a couple people here and there. So that's just, yeah, that's a, I can't wait till we get healthy, bro. I just can't wait. Yes, sir. But Hey, let's uh, take a break and then we'll flip over to the, uh, Los Angeles Lakers. All right, City of Champion podcast listeners, it's time to talk about your Los Angeles Lakers. And we have a couple topics that we want to dive in today. Uh, talk about the, the you know, some roster updates. Talk about, you know, uh, the lack of love people are showing to Braun. And we'll close off talking about the Lakers' upcoming schedule for this season that, you know, was just recently released. Uh, but let's just talk about real quick with the roster update. There was a report put out. Um, I think it was Haynes that reported, uh, Chris Haynes. And he was saying that the Lakers, a couple things that the one that the Lakers had worked out some point guards, uh, Mike James, uh, Darren Collinson, who is recently retired and coming back, uh, Isaiah Thomas. Um, he also shared that the Lakers are going to, you know, only have 14 men on the active roster and keep the 15 spot open, that they're looking for uh, some point guard depth as well as a wing. Um, and that it, it might be the end of Jared Dudley. And then, you know, um, Stein, Mark Stein was reporting um, that Marcus Gasol still not 100% coming back yet. Seems like there's still a chance that when he retires, the Lakers wave him or the Lakers trade him or something like that. So with all this information, Edgar, um, anything that sticks out to you as far as like the Lakers roster and how they're looking to finishing it up? 
Honestly, I was really discouraged by Mark Gazal's attitude and behavior last season. Um, you, you want guys that are going to understand that they're there to play roles and not be stars or be starters for the sake of being starters because they have a nice resume or they had a nice career. And I felt like that was sort of a buzzkill last year. Um, and so I wouldn't miss him. Honestly, like, I would miss him. Uh, I wish he was a little bit more like his brother who, you know, never complained. Just went to work. Got those rebounds, hit those hook shots. As far as uh, working out point guards, though, honestly, I like IT. And I like him because, and I know a lot of people aren't going to like him because he's not the same he used to be. Or he got injured or this or that. But let's not forget what he did with the Celtics pre-injury. He can lead a team. He can be that guy. Now, let me remind you about other guys who... Thought we we're going to be similar. Campbell Walker. We thought he was going to be like an IT. Going into Boston and leading them to the promised land. Kind of like he did with, uh, with the Charlotte uh, Bobcats or Hornets or whatever they were called at the time. Um, IT is the real deal, man. I think in a healthy IT has a passion. He's crafty enough to get his baskets. He's a good ball player, man. I think he makes people around him better. So, I take a chance on them. Yeah. Yeah, you and I have been going back on what we think they're going to do with the last couple roster spots. I'm like, they need another wing. You're like, they don't need another wing. They need another guard. And it looks like they're kind of like agreeing with both of us. And they're like, we want another wing and another guard. Um, I'm not, I mean, I've already told you, bro. Whoever gets these roster spots is probably not going to play that much, man. So, for me, it's not a big deal. The most important thing is that they just understand their role. And they're, you know, ready to sacrifice and, and be a positive contributor to the culture and to the locker room. And the minutes you get is the minutes you get. Um, I think someone like IT, you know, someone who's, you know, been an all-star, been very successful, has carried a team would be cool in the sense of like mentoring some of the younger guys, you know, offering some, you know, some wisdom and things like that. But whoever we get is, is what we get, man. Um, I, I am a little bit bummed about Jared Dudley not coming back though. Hopefully the Lakers can figure something out and just bring him back in some capacity, some role. Um, that was a honestly, that was a shocker. I didn't think. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't hit. You know, it doesn't hit the same when you're a coach and you're not in the locker room. You're not a player. It's, it's different. I, I didn't think they were gonna. Um, I didn't think they were gonna let him go though. I thought you know, and, and they might still bring him back. You know, who knows? I just didn't. I, I didn't see that coming, man. But um, let's move on from the roster. You know, hopefully the the Lakers kind of fill in these last couple spots in this upcoming week. So let's move on to um, you know, something that's caused some uh some. Some controversy and some fire on Twitter. Uh, I guess some, uh, you know, someone asked an executive, like a poll or something like that, some NBA executive, and 10 NBA executives voted on who they feel is the best player in the league. Uh, LeBron got zero votes for the best player. Uh, Giannis and KD both split the 10 votes with five apiece. Uh, Edgar, do you, do you agree with this that LeBron doesn't deserve to be in the conversation for best player anymore? Or, you know, how, how are you feeling about that? So who'd they pick? They picked Kevin Durant, right? Yeah, it was five votes for KD and five votes for Giannis. All right, so I got to put this to sleep, man. KD is not the best player in basketball. I'm sorry. People have to shut up. He's a great player. You know, top three probably in the league. He's not the best player. And Jesus Christ, I mean, LeBron wins a championship, come back, comes back the next year, is easily the leader in the MVP race until he gets his ankle rolled over. It wasn't 
you know, a natural injury or a non-contact injury. Like a guy literally rolled over his ankle. A heavy guy rolled over his ankle. It was a freak injury. Up until that point, LeBron James was the MVP. So for LeBron James to win finals MVP, come back, and through, what, 60 games, be the MVP before a freak injury, to not even get one vote. Meanwhile, KD, who's played 35 freaking games in the past two years, who could not stay healthy this year, who could not carry his team past the Bucks, even with Kyrie Irving, he is not the best player in the world. He is just not the best player. That's ridiculous. Come on. Think about what you guys are saying. 35 games played due to health, due to a fragile body of his, not some guy rolling over his ankle, not some freak injury. The dude is not built like a LeBron. To call him the best player is just pure hate by the media. The media hates LeBron. Straight yeah. and simple. They hate LeBron, and that's the only reason they're picking KD to be the best. Yeah. So, so out of these three players, bro, if I had to break them down a little bit, I'd say this. I'd say KD is the best scorer of the three. He He's definitely a better scorer than Giannis. He's a better scorer than I LeBron. I agree with that. I agree with that. KD gets buckets. I think Giannis is a little bit more of like the physical specimen you know, at this point in his career, you know, LeBron just don't got it like that, but Giannis is sheer force. You know, we saw that in the finals coming back from a knee injury. He just overpowered the Suns. But if you're building a team and you want someone to get you to the championship and get you over the hump, LeBron is that guy. And for that reason to me, you know, is he the best player still? You know, to me, that's up for debate, but I agree with you 100%. He comes from, he wins a championship Shortened offseason, comes back, is leading the league in MVP. No one's going to argue that. He was the league leader in MVP. Everyone knows that until he got rolled up on his ankle and that kind of, you know, uh, you know, threw away the Lakers season. Um, he was never healthy after that, even in the playoffs. So, so for me, for him to not get any votes, I'm not even like mad about it. It's just the NBA and the media, you know, and, and just people in general, we struggle with, um, you know, being prisoners of the moment. You and I tell each other all that time, don't be a prisoner of the moment. We're, we're prisoners of the moment or it's, you know, recency bias. Why are Giannis and KD splitting the 10 votes? Giannis coming off of finals MVP and leading the Bucks dominantly leading the Bucks to a finals, you know, finals, you know, uh, win. Uh, he, he, he definitely dominated the, the Suns in the, in the finals. And then KD's coming off of leading, you know, Team USA to the gold medal. So they both led teams on big stages more recently while LeBron is out of sight, out of mind because the Lakers got bounced in the first round. And, you know, and then he was hurt for the majority of the season after, you know, he had that ankle injury. So that, that's all this tells me, man. It just tells me recency bias and it just tells me, um, that people are being a prisoner of the moment. And, and that's what happens in the NBA. You know, um, like the people were talking about like Booker, you know, comparing him to Kobe Bryant. People talk about Zion Williamson and if he's the greatest in the game from time to time. You know, it, that, that's the way it goes. When any someone, and whenever, uh, someone gets hot or, or puts up big performances, we become prisoners of the moment and, and we put them ahead of everybody. LeBron is going to come ready to tear the, the, the league up next year. So the league better be ready because he's going to be, uh, like he, he, you know, he, uh, he quote tweeted this article or this poll or whatever. And he said, like, I, I, like I needed more fuel, you know? So he's coming ready, bro. He, he sees, man. The Wash King is coming back to take the throne. Well, let's talk so about let's, the Lakers schedule, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's wrap up. So we'll talk about the Lakers schedule. Um, 
they released it recently. You know, I put some 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 notes in here. Uh, we know we got a uh, 42 nationally televised games. Got opening night against the Warriors. Got the Christmas game against the Nets. That's gonna be lit. Uh, you know, the first half. Pretty, pretty tough first half schedule. And, and I was thinking about it, man. Uh, the Lakers schedule is really tough for the fact that the Suns are a playoff team. Uh, the Clippers are a playoff team. The Warriors are a playoff team. So they're just in that the Pacific division is just tough. So that automatically guarantees you're going to play a, a, a lot of tough games. There's not, you know, the Suns aren't an easy win anymore. The Warriors aren't an easy win anymore. The Clippers aren't an easy win. So Lakers definitely have a tough schedule. Um, you know, some tough road trips mixed in there. And, and, you know, yeah. So Edgar, you know, just looking at the schedule, looking at the games and stuff, uh, just tell me one thing that sticks out to you about this game or one thing you're looking forward to. So, I mean, aside from the big matchups, which I'm obviously looking forward to, you know, the Christmas day uh, game against the Nets, 42 nationally televised games means I do not need to buy NBA TV, which is freaking amazing because NBA TV blacks out Laker games anyway, so then have to buy VPN to be able to watch it even with a subscription. Because again, we have these dumb blackout rules, and without uh, without um, that VPN, I wouldn't be able to watch. Luckily, 42 nationally televised games means that I'll be able to watch most of them, and won't have to, you know, find some ninja way of uh, watching it. That's a lot, man. I've never heard of uh, any team play that many games, but that goes to show you that we, you know, the washed up Lakers. People seem to be interested in. We'll see. Yeah, definitely. Um, what you know, what I was, what I'm looking at as, as you know, I was breaking down the schedule is uh, the Lakers have a uh, a tough road trip, man. Um, January 21st through January 30th, they have the Magic, the Heat, the Nets, the 76ers, the Hornets, and the Hawks. Really, I'm looking at those three games where they go: Miami, Brooklyn, Philadelphia. Right there, we can say those are three of the top four seeds in the east and they get them in back to back to back games so i always like to see when we have road trips like this or you know even home stands where we just have tough difficult opponents kind of like the 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 year we won the championship the, the 2020 championship where we had the the clippers and the bucks in the same weekend i think we had the bucks on a friday and the clippers on a sunday and we ended up beating them both beating, beating, beating both of them in and you know lakers nation was hyped up because we you know it's those games that really felt like playoff intensity and so I'm definitely looking forward to um definitely looking forward to that that road trip. I think those are some good games to um to challenge the Lakers. And um yeah, uh curious to see how they start the season. They got the Warriors, Suns, Grizz. But I think the one thing I took away from the schedule is that road trip, man. Uh I'll think that that I think that road trip's gonna show us a lot about the Lakers. Uh I'm happy that we're getting back to like the regular NBA schedule. Playoffs will start in April. Uh, so, uh, hype for that, man. Hype for everything getting back to normal. Um, so it'll be good, man. A lot of nationally televised games. Uh, Lakers going to be on TV all the time, which, you know, we deserve to be because we're the Lakers and everyone loves the Lakers. Everyone loves to watch the Lakers or root against the Lakers. You know, we draw, um, a lot of ratings. So it'll be good, man. I- I'm just, you know, with the schedule being released, it's, we're just getting closer and closer to the season starting, man. So I'm getting hyped. Yeah, sir, man. Same. I'm, I'm right there with you. And again, I hope, uh, my last thought is, let the boys play. None of this resting for big games. I want to see Nets, Lakers go head-to-head, full squads, you know, barring a real injury. But none of this, like, pinky contusion or left, you know, ear soreness or something that just doesn't make <laughs> sense. They're just making up stuff, right? So, come on. I want to see some NBA games this year. I don't want to see 
you know, none of this sitting. I get it strategic, but hey, we, you play for the fans, so give us what we want. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, man. Everyone needs to suit up, dress out, and and go out and hoop, man. I, I feel you on that. But uh, that about does it for this episode, man. Thank you all for rocking with us and kicking with us and, and, and tuning in. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. Make sure you're uh, subscribing on uh, Spotify or Apple Pod. And we appreciate the love and support, y'all. Peace.